0: Dark Money, a political thriller, examines one of the greatest threats to American democracy, the influence of untraceable corporate money on our elections and elected officials. The film takes viewers to Montana, a front line in the fight to preserve fair elections nationwide, to follow an intrepid local journalist working to expose the real-life impacts of the U.S. Supreme Court's Citizens United decision. Through this gripping story, Dark Money uncovers the shocking and vital truth of how American elections are bought and sold. This is a Sundance award-winning documentary that was directed by Kimberly Reed. You would know her from the film Prodigal Sons. And we are honored to have have her here today. Kimberly, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much. It's good to talk to you again. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm very much enamored with your film. For a lot of reasons, uh, I was in politics. I'm a reformed political uh, (laughs) uh, consultant and campaign manager. So I have a, a, a bit of an insider view as to how you did this documentary. And I can tell you, it is a superbly done documentary from the point of view of someone who's been on the inside, but also someone who understands that sometimes these issues can feel a bit removed from everyday life for most Americans. And you've done this in just a wonderful and a very engaging way. Tell me a little bit about how you came to this subject, and and if I'm correct in saying that uh, you were trying to make this something that is easily accessible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you start talking about any financial issue, uh, the first thing you got to worry about is people's eyes glazing over just because, you know, I, you can only mention like two numbers in a row before it gets really boring. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I didn't want to make that film and I never liked making didactic films. Um, I, I think it's much more important to focus on, on questions. And we had a lot of questions about where money was coming from in these, uh, campaigns that were going on in Montana. So I was, um, I think first, Really hooked by this story. Um, well, I, I, you know, I first heard about the issue and when the U.S. Supreme Court decision in Citizen United, Citizens United came down in 2010. Um, so that kind of planted a seed. But it was in 2012 when I really saw that my home state of Montana had a case uh, that was going to the U.S. Supreme Court. And had a chance to overturn, uh, or at least redefine Citizens United. So I thought that would be a really good play, a really good way to talk about these issues, which are super important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but are, don't often have a human face on them. And I saw that by following this this story of this um, of this court case that I could I could make it about. You know, real people instead of of a bunch of bar graphs or an Excel spreadsheet, which is the the challenge with this. And we were following dark money groups, which, um, you know, Citizens United created super PACs, which um, have unlimited money coming in and out of them. But you have to show where the donors are, where the money is coming from. You have to disclose the donors. With dark money groups, you don't have to disclose who the donors are. So when you're trying to tell a story about people trying to hide money, (laughs) you know, um, they're intentionally trying to um, throw up smoke screens and obfuscate everything and um, sort of tell a story about that. You really had to make it about real people and the impacts on their day-to-day lives.
0: Right, well, you did, and exactly right it would be it would be um, daunting for a viewer to to sit through a, a a detailed uh sort of academic inquiry into this issue of of dark money, but we follow some wonderful people, terrific access to these people, including um uh, the intrepid uh, reporter that I mentioned earlier, John Adams. Um, also, a number of legislators within Montana. And what is particularly, I think, engaging about the documentary was the fact that you, it's a cross section of Democrats and Republicans who have been on the receiving end of this wave of money coming into into the election cycle. But predominantly, you focus on Republicans, which is, for some people, might sound a little counterintuitive, because Republicans have been more reticent to try and control uh, the, or to, to delve into this issue the same way the Democrats have. But you uncover this kind of schism within the Republican Party in talking about this of moderate Republicans as opposed to more of a libertarian... Republican. And that's so we get an opportunity to really sit down with people who are who who were impacted by it and, and, and also kind of runs against the grain of what we generally associate these issues to be associated with. But they're all very engaging. They're all very articulate and also very personal story to tell about what happened to them.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. What we were following was um, Republicans on the far right wing of the party attacking you know more established more traditional republicans and where we saw it happen in montana in it actually got the program got kind of piloted in 2008 and early in 2010 um and that was uh usually in primary elections and usually in safe districts so you weren't talking about whether a Republican is going to beat out a Democrat to get that seat. A Republican was going to win that seat no matter what. It, it was about what type of Republican is going to get elected, how pure, I'm using air quotes around the word pure, uh, how pure that Republican is, and um, it you know, had to do with a couple of folks who just wanted to steer the the positions that the Republican Party had. So, yeah, the other thing that you have to to remember about uh, primary elections is there's usually really low voter turnout and people don't really pay attention to them in the same way that folks pay attention to general elections. But a lot of times in these safe districts, you know, the makeup of the state house uh, is determined in the primaries. So when you think about, you know, not many people showing up and 10% of the potential voters yeah, ending up voting in these elections is a very undemocratic process, especially when you have all of this anonymous money that's trying to skew everything on top of that.
0: Right. What I what I think you're saying is the real action is in the primaries when you're when you're in a safe district. That that's where that's where the election actually is is uh moving that's forward. Right. And, and and yeah, and um I want to talk about, well, let's go back. Oh, I want to get back to this because the sort of the schism within the Republican Party and who's sort of um, managing what's happening. But I also want to explore this history, this really incredible untold history, at least as far as I know, about Montana and why sort of political reform when it came to financial disclosures was so important. And it goes back to... The robber Baron era, era of America it goes back to a time the sort of the the waning of the Wild West and this industrialization that was going on. Talk, talk a little bit about this sort of history and this and this reaction to what was what happened during that period of time that caused this uh, financial disclosure culture to evolve in in Montana.
1: Um, yeah, you know it's uh, it's really uh, long story short, it's an issue of uh, corporate exploitation. Um, so to elaborate on that a little bit more, um, Montana does not have many people living there. Uh, it's incredibly rich in natural resources of all types. And about 100 years ago, the copper mines were just going gangbusters. There was a place in Butte, Montana called the richest hill on earth. And that those copper um, deposits were discovered at about the time that the country was electrifying, that it was, you know, needed a lot of copper wire to string all around the country to, you know, connect a bunch of light bulbs for the first time. (laughs) So as you can imagine, there was quite a rush to pull as much copper out of that hill as possible and there were a bunch of magnates who rushed out to, uh, the richest hill on earth, uh, to see if they could, uh, battle it out and see if they could take over those mines. So when, when you're, uh, when you grow up in Montana and you go to grade school there, you learn about the copper kings in grade school and how these industrialists from the East Coast came out and, and set up shop and tried to take over the copper mines in the state. And uh one of those was William A. Clark. Um, he also, in, in addition to being a, you know, a copper king and uh controlling all of the newspapers in the state and all of the politicians in the state, in fact, he once took out an ad in one of his newspapers offering openly bribing legislators uh, who at that time Elected senators to the to the United States Senate, uh-huh. openly bribing them to to pay two, ten thousand dollars apiece for their vote to send him to Washington D.C. to be Montana's first U.S. senator, um, <laughs> and it actually worked. He had his henchmen standing on the floor of the of the of the House <laughs> handing out <laughs> envelopes full of ten thousand dollars, and it was just like just uh, uh, just such rampant. <laughs> corruption that the, the the public got really fed up and passed a ballot initiative um, saying that, you know what, no more. We are not going to have any corporate contributions um, to political, political campaigns. And that's, uh, you know, where the Corrupt Practices Act of 1912 came from. And that law stood for about 100 years until... 2012, when I started making this film, when Montana's defense of the Corrupt Practices Act of 1912 uh, was going to the U.S. Supreme Court, and in defending that 100-year-old law, that meant that Montana was saying, that we've been through this, we've uh, seen how this works, we want to follow this law that we have decided on ourselves, and we feel like that should hold sway instead of Citizens United because of what we've been through. Um, That argument did not work at the U.S. Supreme Court. It was summarily reversed. But in the process of doing that, I really kind of dug into the issue, and I realized that my home state of Montana was the best place to look at all these issues of campaign finance and to, uh, you know, as, as we were talking about, to, to put a human face on these issues because, um, you know, it's a spot where people pay close attention to this issue, uh, have been doing so for a century, um, and, you know, don't take it lightly when people come into the state and try to take over the natural resources or the newspapers or the, the politicians. And uh, it seemed like a, a, a good and inspiring tale to tell. And on top of that, it was actually a really dramatic and interesting and shocking and twisty-turny kind of mystery novel that was yeah. playing out because we had some really wild disclosures of
0: yeah.
1: of some key evidence that came out. We had some whistleblowers who show up, and it just became a really dramatic tale that I...
0: Well, you you did a great job of, of uh, summarizing the film. Uh, let me just add one one detail that hopefully will pique people's interest. There's a crack house involved in the story. Okay, that that'll that'll if that doesn't tease them, I don't know what will. Uh, and uh, it is again you, the the fact that you're able to find some really interesting people, it, very uh, relatable people. And make this story human, but also make it educational in the sense that it, as a citizen, a citizen's educational guide to what's actually happening and how we need to take back our democracy, putting aside R's or D's or independence or whatever you might be, we desperately need to take back this process because increasingly we're losing control of it. Uh, at all all kinds of levels, and Dark Money does a wonderful job of explaining how and why and when and who and all the rest of it. Um, my congratulations to you, Kimberly Reed, for this film, and um, I want to let people know that it, you're going to be at the New Art uh, on Friday. That's today, July 27th, uh, for a Q&A. Uh, there'll be all kinds of great people there with you. You're gonna, on Saturday, you're going to be shuffling back and forth across the great state of California. You're going to be up in San Francisco for uh, a Q&A there as well as Berkeley on Saturday as well as a Q&A uh, all over the place. But see this film. You can go to darkmoneyfilm.com to find out more about it. Go see it. See it with a friend. See it with somebody who cares about your country and wants to make sure that it's still our country Uh, in the future. This is really, really, really important. Yeah,
1: I think, you know, campaign finance is the gateway issue. Uh, If you care about any political issue, regardless of which side of it you're on, you, you can't sort out that political issue until you sort out the money that's coming into it. So I think what we're... Uh, encouraging people to do is to just really get engaged, to get involved in our democracy, with a with a small B, right, um, and to really make it work for the everyday citizen, not just a handful of rich people.
0: Exactly, and if it wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, literally rip from today's headlines about uh, the the campaign contributions to the PACs, the PACs in the United States by foreign uh, interest clear evidence that it isn't just about it's about all kinds of different things see this film dark money go to darkmoneyfilm.com to find out but it's at the new art starting friday 27th uh, july 27th and kimberly reed will be there for it uh A. Q&A. so thank you so much kimberly a pleasure it's been too long since we had a chance to talk and uh this is a great film you really did a wonderful job with this so thank you
1: thank you so much it's good to talk to you again